The first reading is taken from Genesis chapter 49, verses 2 and 8 to 10. The responsorial is Psalm 72. And the Gospel is Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. Our readings today place the birth of the Messiah in a specific historical and salvific context. In the first reading, the sons of the patriarch Jacob are called to his deathbed to receive the blessings of their father. In the typical order, the firstborn would receive the greater blessing, that is, a double inheritance, and serve as head of the family. However, although Jacob blesses all his children, the greater blessing goes not to the firstborn, Reuben, but to Judah, the fourthborn, because of the sins of Reuben in sleeping with Jacob's concubine in a power grab, thereby committing incest. The second and thirdborn, Simeon and Levi, are bypassed because of their violent actions against the defenseless town of Shechem, avenging the rape of their sister Dinah. Judah is rewarded for his sacrificial actions to save his brother Benjamin. Isaac also made predictions regarding each of his sons' future as head of the tribe. With regards to Judah, Jacob describes him as a lion and king, terms of power and authority over other nations. As well, the reference to Judah's brothers bowing down before him recalls the prophetic dream given to Joseph. Joseph does receive the birthright with respect to property, that is, the double portion including the land of Manasseh and all of Gilead and Bashan. But Judah will lead their family in terms of name and blessing. Judah will become the royal tribe of Israel. The reference to a lion is confirmed by the seer Balaam in his second oracle in Numbers chapter 23 verse 24, and even more so in Revelation chapter 5, when the risen Jesus is described as the lion of the tribe of Judah, worthy to open the scroll bound by seven seals. This brings us to the Gospel and Matthew's genealogy, which ties the Messiah to the line of David and before him to Abraham the father of faith. Several points must be made. First, salvation history is divided into three great epochs of fourteen generations. The first period begins with Abraham and ascends to the high point of Israel's history, the kingship of David. Within this period, Jesus is shown to be related to the great patriarchs of Israel, especially Jacob and his son Judah. The second epoch begins with King David and descends to the low point of Israel's history with the exile in Babylon. Within this period is a list of corrupt Judean kings described as murderers, idolaters, and adulterers. By the time of the exile, the people of Jerusalem had almost given up hope for a king who would realize their dreams. The third period begins after the Babylonian exile and ascends again to the goal of Israel's history, the coming of the Christ. So there are fourteen generations from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the exile in Babylon, and fourteen from the exile to Jesus Christ. Why the number fourteen? The letters for David in Hebrew have the numerical value of fourteen, and three times fourteen equals perfection expressing the fact that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the long-awaited Son of David,
from the tribe of Judah. Second, five women are included in the genealogy, which is very unusual. Their mention indicates that each of them played a crucial role in the ongoing history of salvation, yet they seem unlikely choices to be included in the Messianic lineage. Tamar, the Canaanite daughter-in-law of Judah, who failed to provide the husband he had promised her, thereby forcing Tamar, who wanted a child, to commit incest with Judah by disguising herself as a prostitute. Rahab, another Canaanite prostitute who helped hide the spies of Israel as they scouted the promised land. Ruth, a Moabite widow who accompanied her mother-in-law, leaving Moab to live in Bethlehem, eventually marrying her kinsman-redeemer Boaz, thereby becoming the great-grandmother of King David. Bathsheba, a Hittite woman who committed adultery with King David and then became his wife and mother of King Solomon. All of these women were unclean as far as Israel was concerned, being foreigners with suspect backgrounds. The fact that they are included in the genealogy indicates the scope of Jesus' mission, that is, to all nations and peoples, no matter their background or sin. Jesus breaks down the barrier between Jew and Gentile, saint and sinner. As well, the irregular unions of these women prepare the way for Mary's irregular, to say the least, virginal conception of Jesus before her union with Joseph. All of these women played an important role in bringing the promise of God in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 to fruition, that is, that the original sin of Adam and Eve would be undone by the seed of the woman crushing the head of the serpent. They are brought into the people of God and contribute to God's providential plan for humanity's salvation. We are called to do the same because we are part of Jesus' lineage, being adopted children of God through baptism. Salvation history is ongoing, and we can play an important role. So we must never give up or become discouraged by our sins or brokenness or shaky past. Rather, embraced by God's mercy and the healing offered by Jesus, let us carry on his lineage and goal of building the kingdom of God.